Whiskey bikini. Whiskey bikini. Whiskey bikini. Whiskey bikini. Welcome to the Whiskey Bikini Suspense Show. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the Whiskey Bikini Podcast, a.k.a. the Whiskey Bikini Suspense Show. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm James. I'm your, I'm your host for, for this episode as Cubs over in Taiwan, still working, on, working very hard on our production. So yeah, you just got me for this one again. And yeah, I'd start off just with an apology. I beg your, I beg your patience and forgiveness for the fact that there hasn't been an episode for a wee while. <laughs> Uh, just because of work and, and busyness and other aspects of life. So, yeah. Of course, if you're new to the podcast, then, yeah, <laughs> you won't have noticed any, any delay in service. Um, but, yeah, if you are new, then, yeah, Whiskey Bikini Suspense Show, you know, we cover uh, horror films and all sort of related topics, uh, black magic, alcohol, witchcraft, <laughs> everything else. And uh, East West podcast coming at you live from the UK and from Hong Kong and Taiwan. And... This episode here is coming live from the from the wilds of Scotland, um, where I live. So if you hear the, the howling wind and rain outside, then uh, that's not production values. That that is actually real howling wind and rain because it is currently currently whipping up a storm outside. But yeah, thanks for anyway. Thanks for joining me for this uh, special episode, special returning episode, where uh, I'm gonna dig into I I think one of the more interesting and probably one of the more controversial horror films uh recently one of the most controversial found footage films definitely recently uh, the outwaters um which if you haven't seen it uh probably go and listen watch it first before you listen to the podcast because i'm going to get into a lot of spoilers on this one um i i don't think there's too much point in talking about the film without getting into everything that happens in it so so yeah go and watch it first but then do please come back for this insightful <laughs> insightful coverage but for now just uh, if you're sticking with me for this then cool just, just pour yourself a drink as I'm, I'm gonna do that myself certainly if you don't mind a large uh ooh, brandy as it happens probably very nice to have brandy when the weather like this so so yeah let, let, let's get into the outwaters because now i think one of the other reasons I, I i figured to talk about this film is because it's a you know i'm a massive found footage fan but you know the genre is you know, not always the most uh, intriguing, shall, shall we say, just in terms of what different directors do with the form. I mean, it's found footage is just out there always for, on the one hand, like it's great. You can always rely upon found footage as a form to give proper, like zero budget filmmakers, proper, like real lo-fi indie filmmakers, you, you know, a way to actually make films without having to do a huge budget, without needing a huge crew equipment and everything. But on the downside, we get a lot of, um, I don't want to say trash because I, 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 you know, I have a place in my heart for most found footage films, e even the ones which are uh, <laughs> maybe not, not, not the best, but it, you know, it, it, it's just the fact that so many of them just turn out to be the same. Uh, I think whether it's the, the same setup, you know, somebody looking into a camera and then adjusting it at the start of the film or turn always oh, the sound turned out you know the, the the usual kind of stuff like an unboxing video to start things or the the title card which tells you 
you know, this footage has been found because a bunch of unfortunates went missing in oh, location X. So, so many of them are really the same. And whilst that's still, yeah, it's not enough to, to turn me off the genre. It is very exciting when we see different things. And we are we are seeing quite a few found footage films doing, doing something different, which is fantastic because... Um, you know, I'm going to talk about this as I go through the Outwaters. Uh, I think it's a genre with a huge potential, um, a form which really does, in theory, lend itself to innovation and creativity, which makes it pretty ironic that so many found footage films are, are the opposite. But um, we are getting some really interesting found footage films, uh, POV, that, you know, point of view, and experimental films out there uh, over the last year or so, which is I, I'm hoping will really reinvigorate other directors not just to make found footage films because they're in theory cheap but be, because it's something they can actually do something with you know we're, we're getting other stuff like uh skinema rink uh which i'll probably do an episode on too i mean that's not a found footage film as such might not even be a pov film i, I don't know there's a lot of debate <laughs> angry debate over what kind of film skinema rink is but uh, it's certainly a very effective uh, and innovative one so i'll get into that later but but the Outwaters, yeah, I mean, I've been hearing about it for a while. I mean, this is pr proper sort of word of mouth, you, you know, rather than like a big marketing campaign on this because it actually started playing film festivals back at the start of 2022 uh, and it's played a lot of film festivals around, uh, generally to to pretty positive or <laughs> positive reviews or, or, or just reviews where people have been like, WTF, and what the hell is going on with this? Uh <laughs> which is interesting. So it's been a long time coming, but it actually got released in the US uh, recently in cinemas. And bizarrely, it seems to be coming out in the UK here soon to cinemas as well with what I can see is uh, actually a fairly reasonable release, not the widest release, but fairly reasonable release uh, for a film like this. And so if it gets into the cinemas. I mean, wow, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be very happy to catch it on the big screen. Yeah, it's it's interesting as well because it's been getting a surprising amount of media coverage, right? Even mainstream media coverage for this. I mean, this is a low budget, experimental, uh, transgressive is a word you, which we'll get into later. But it's it's not even like a normal found footage film, and even for horror films to break into like mainstream media it is quite unusual. And and it's been. It's been covered in places like anything from the New York Times to you know the usual horror media online, and even here in the UK, like uh, there's an article in the Daily Mail about it, which just that blows my mind, man. Seeing the Outwaters and uh, covered in the Daily Mail. I mean, if you're in the UK, you'll know it's a pretty classic uh, middle class right wing mainstream <laughs> newspaper, and it's just some story about how even hardened horror fans are being made to feel sick, shock, horror, outrage, you know. <laughs> So you, you can see the, the kind of coverage it's been getting. But also, I think part of the coverage is, and uh, Skinner Inc. has been getting coverage like this, I think there is an interest when films are made that do something different, but are made on a low budget, and that kind of pushes them, not, not necessarily respectability, but uh, at least, you know, not just being lumped in as, oh my God, just another horror film, you know, is, which, you know, unfortunately, we know a lot of the mainstream press that's how they see horror films so so yeah it's it's been getting a lot more attention than i might necessarily have expected it to which just ups the interest level and the trailer for it's fantastic you know a mad 9-11 call um someone calling for the police and screaming and howling and uh very 
disturbing and a, and a good poster as well you know with all the um we, we all die in the dark and i mean it's not it's not quite blair witch but it's the same basic thing like something is horrible we can't see it but we've got great sound design there's something ambiguous and it's there, there's a there's a really immediate feeling of like it being a visceral uh, almost kind of threatening experience from the trailer uh and even from the poster and stuff and then you know there's kind of bit of a 70s look to it uh certainly in the trailer and the poster as well so it's all very it's all very effective uh, i'd say the, the the way the film has been pitched certainly to me uh, and i guess to, to other people as well and some to some extent this is probably one of the reasons why the film really divides people because you know what you're being pitched i mean it's it's not like a, a false pitch the way it's being you know presented to people but it's it's much less of a traditional horror film or a traditional found footage film or, or anything that, than you'd expect it to be. And, you know, the poster and the trailer, like Blair Witch, they, as they say, they suggest something like unknowable, unseeable, lur lurking in the dark, killing people. But while Blair Witch doesn't show you any, anything really during the film, you know, this doesn't either, but it does it in a very different, very different kind of way. Uh, and I think that's why I, I can really see it's not a film. Uh, for, for, for everybody in that and I, I'm very glad I got to see it I mean I haven't seen it in the cinema which does annoy me a bit um, I do have a uh, you know not a fancy TV but not too small a TV so at least I, I got to see it on that but it's just everything about the film when you read about it uh, and even from these trailers and stuff is just like classic found footage setup and there's very technically there's very little to it I mean, the usual man it's like a group of young people go out into the Mojave Desert to make a music video and very strange things happen to them and all goes to hell. Uh, <laughs> I think some of the official synopsis describes it as, you know, threatening phenomena or something like that, which is about right, to, to be fair. I mean, phenomena <laughs> makes it sound like aliens or something else happening, but who knows. Uh, but of course, like all of this is found in the memory cards, as it usually is, and you do have to wonder about that and the durability of memory cards. Uh, and you know shooting devices as you know as a speaking as a producer i i am constantly worrying about things getting broken or getting warped or like losing data and everything and <laughs> we have memory cards and things surviving the kind of experiences we get in the outwater like oh okay maybe these things are maybe these things are tougher than i than i keep getting paranoid about and worrying about <laughs> oh but yeah it's written directed by and starring uh robbie banfitch who's who's done a bunch of shorts, which I've got to admit I haven't seen. And he did something called White Light, which seems to be his, uh, like a School of Visual Arts thesis film. Um, it's about an hour long and it's on YouTube. So yeah, I'm going to check that out, uh, having been impressed by the Outwaters. But I mean, the Outwaters, man. Um, <laughs> it is gonna, it's going to divide people, but I don't mean that in a pretentious way. I mean, I mean that in a really honest way. I mean, a lot of the times... If somebody says, well, this film's going to divide people, they usually mean, you know, it's it's going to divide us because I'm better than you or I'm superior to you and my taste is better. And I'm intellectual. And if you don't like it, that just means you don't get it. You know, it's usually that that's what divides people usually tends to be used as, to be honest. Um, I don't like the word experimental too much in this case, but what Banfetch has done is really something very different to your usual found footage film. Uh, while it totally follows the, the pattern, as I've said before, it really, really isn't. And I think that's, a, as I've said, like if you go into this film primed by the trailer, primed by the marketing materials, um, they're, they're, they're not inaccurate, but they're pushing you 
to think you're going to get something a lot more traditional. And there's definitely a place for experimental and there's a place for traditional. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing if you're if you lean more towards you know, one or the other for you, for your taste in films and stuff. But uh, I think a lot of the reactions to the film are, are kind of by people, you know, coming at it expecting something something different. I mean, it, it's 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 not a bad thing to to say that. And the fact that I I really enjoy the out, out, Outwater is probably just <laughs> that's just partly down to me being a um, strange taste in films. But you know, <laughs> it is a long film by the standards of the genre. I'd say like it's an hour and fifty minutes, which by found footage standards in particular, that's an epic. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of like the eighty minute mark being the maximum myself. So, so I have to admit, I was a bit surprised when I, I saw how long the Outwaters is. I was a bit worried, you know, to be honest. But I'd kind of figured, uh, you know, maybe it just had so much horror in there that it had to be longer to, to pack it all in, right? You know, it had to be had had to be a a, a good genre friendly reason um, for how it being how long, as long as it is. And coming to the film for the first time, I had deliberately not read anything more after seeing the trailer and, you know, knowing that I definitely wanted to see it. So uh, there was a lot about that which kind of surprised me. And what really did surprise me is just the first hour or so of the film is basically home video. You know, we spend a really long time with the characters. They get ready for this trip to the desert. They travel, they arrive, they mess around, they wander around, they shoot bits and pieces, you know. A um, bit of relationships, bit of domestic, but not really much happens to be honest for the first half hour and this is home video in in the proper sense right it does feel like it's found footage of some random stuff which people have shot of them and themselves and their friends and everything it's not um footage which seems to have been massively planned and designed and you know on the one hand i really have to respect this and this might be a commitment to realism um it does, speaking as a found footage fan again, like it does get really annoying when we watch a found footage film and it's basically, you know, a standard Hollywood style horror story that just happens to play on a phone or a camcorder, but it's still like all scripted and proper dialogue. And, you know, we, we don't speak anything like that in real life, you know, like script dialogue. And that works absolutely fine in normal films because we're kind of primed to expect to hearing people speaking that way. Like in, in found footage films, uh, it's supposed to be real, right? And it sounds off to me if I get a found footage film and it seems really scripted. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's still a lot of found footage films I enjoy, which do lean more towards that, especially uh, some some of the bigger budget found footage films. So there's nothing too wrong with it. But I think it kind of defeats the purpose of found footage for me, and which I do watch partly because it's at least got the potential uh, to feel a bit more real and believable. Um, I don't know, maybe I'm just jaded after watching so many films and horror films you know the found footage is the form which still you know just has at least the possibility uh to, to feel a bit different and you know and that's what I, I guess i mean that's the essence of what found footage is supposed to be and i'm not gonna i can feel myself getting ranty so I, I won't go into it too much but it's supposed to be footage that's found right found footage it's not edited it's not acted it's not directed so in a way i was kind of reminds me of stuff like august underground and that it does feel like something which has honestly just been found. Um, it's also very transgressive. There's that word again. It's also a very transgressive film like August Underground. I mean, not so hardcore, uh, but but I will uh, I will come back to that a bit later. But I the the first hour of the film is is home video, and it doesn't really even try to massively engage with or properly explore the characters, or or 
you know, to really dig into them and set them up in the traditional way. And there's not much sense that Banfitch, he's sort of dropping in hidden levels of depth or meaning to them. But at the same time, I'd say he's got a great observational eye for characters and real behavior. And, you know, watching this, I could, I could kind of believe that I was watching real people rather than actors. Though he keeps it at this observational level at the same time. So it's kind of a, kind of a balancing act uh, as to what you're what you're really looking for you know because we're just following them around a lot and there is like a sense of doom and unease building but that's it's at least partly just down to the fact that we know they're going to meet <laughs> terrible fates in the dark you know rather than things which are being planted in the script i mean there's a bit of strangeness in the desert as we get closer to the end of the section you know, animal noises lights and um weird high-pitched noises coming from a hole though you don't you don't get a sense that it's like tension building exercise in the usual way. It's not that thing where they're planting things earlier in the script, which are going to come back in the second act, the third act. It doesn't really have that three act structure at all. Um, and it's a pretty brave approach in this respect, but it's clearly on purpose, right? It's, it's definitely by design. I mean, some found footage films we see, uh, we see a lot of this kind of footage, home video and travel footage. And it just seems like the filmmakers didn't really know what they were doing or, mostly that the film was just so low budget they had to pad out the running time interminably you know we get these horror films which uh found footage horror films which essentially just have lots and lots and lots of padding and then suddenly something happens and then it finishes <laughs> but here the, the approach that Banfitch takes feels more to me like filmmakers more on the sort of experimental and art house side like Harmony Korean or, or others like sort of embracing I don't know formlessness right and just capturing what's going on and I, I think it's partly this which, which pushes the Outwaters into more art house territory uh, it doesn't remind me of Creep too much which is one of my favourite films but there is something of that mumblecore approach to it to an extent with, with uh, at least some of the dialogue having a very improvised feel like we're, we're just capturing uh, like snatches of dialogue rather than long drawn out sentences or some of it's rambling or doesn't really go anywhere so yeah, there's a touch of mumblecore, and I mean, I mean, there's no getting around the fact that the first hour is going to be a bit, uh, a bit boring for for some people. It might be a bit of a slog, and if you're looking for a film where actually things happen from the start, then the Outwaters might be a bit too much, especially with the absence of drama and this observational approach. You know, as I say, he's not, he's not even really setting these characters up as people to care about or to get drawn into their lives, and it just seems more like he's establishing them as is real people, uh, for, for better or worse. So it depends what you're looking for, you know, to watch. And I, I mean, I was fine with it myself. I think it works pretty well. The first section of the film, I mean, it is, you know, the first hour or so, it is a bit on the long side. But I, I don't miss the fake drama and dialogue um, at all, to be honest. You know, I mean, I've said a lot of times uh, on the podcast and even in this episode that I, I love fan footage. And I'm really always very open-minded about seeing something different with it uh, just any anything different with the found footage form and um the first part of the eye wars does need patience and it doesn't leave it doesn't really massively add much impact wise once we get to the the action but i think even then it's all very nicely shot and even when there's not much happening that the travel footage and the especially the footage once we get to the desert, all looks great. Uh, and it's not quite shot in the usual found footage way, which, you know, let's be honest, can be pretty pretty clumsy. Uh, and though The Outwaters is a low-budget film, uh, I suspect a very low-budget film, uh, it, it, it transcends that 
both in terms of production values and the way it's actually shot. So it's kind of got for me. It's got a great mix of believability, and uh, at the same time, there is something visually quite impressive about it. But then after this hour, and I just I'll just keep saying it's an hour. I don't know the exact timing, but for an hour or so, it just <laughs> it just goes nuts. Something happened, not explained, of course. Like the main character played by uh, played by Banfish himself, he's an axe, and then we get a bunch more loud noises and lights. Um, he wanders off, sees a, a naked dude brandishing the axe, and wow, like <laughs> bang. We we kind of leave reality or anything sensible behind, and it's then it's just a series of really freaky encounters and disturbing footages. Um, Banfitch like wanders the desert, coming across his friends covered in blood, piles of intestines and remains, shrieking worm creatures, large monsters, and um, uh, and donkeys um, as well. <laughs> but again, man, you know this sounds right. It sounds like a full-on mad gore fest or creature feature. But again, Banfitch just. He goes off in a different direction and he goes really experimental on us, you know. And you go back to the poster, we've all, you know, we've seen the line, we all die in the dark. And man, they're not kidding, right? Because a lot of the rest of the film is just in pitch black and it's just illuminated by this really wee torch beam. So you've got most of the screen black and we're just seeing this very small, almost like pinhole of an image, which sometimes appears to be shot at like a great distance. So you quite deliberately can't really see what's going on. I mean, not fully anyway, but. We start seeing these mad glimpses of creatures, mutilated bodies and stuff. Um, and some stuff, to be honest, no idea what it is. <laughs> Don't know what I'm looking at. But again, it's 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 definitely, you know, it's a deliberate approach. It's his Banfitch's technique. And this kind of alternates back and forth with him being bounced around in the desert between some kind of portals or alternate version of the desert to other places where there's more of the mad worms and other visions which just get weirder and weirder. And all the time he's being kind of pursued by some assailant and there's more loud noises more flashing lights though it's not explicitly said as such so there's a, a suggestion of time loops he, he does see his friends again in the distance and it's possible that he might be trapped in some kind of limbo um him and the donkeys i'm not sure where the <laughs> not sure where the donkeys have come from but you know unsurprisingly right doesn't come to a traditional narrative ending and we get emulating himself disemboweling himself cutting off his johnson and wandering off into the desert with his hands to the sky and and yeah, it's it's unsettling and disturbing stuff. Oh, you know, as soon as it kicks into this, you know. But don't don't expect gore and nastiness in the usual way. I mean, it's graphic, um, especially what he does to himself at the end, and some of the things that happen to his friends. But it's not the usual lingering camera we'd expect when you get a splatter set piece. It's bouncing around all over the place, and yeah, lots of stuff. It's half seen, or maybe even less than half seen when it comes to the gore too. Which again, you know, is probably partly a very innovative use of a what was a very low budget so I, I suspect there's practical as well as artistic reasons for it but we see the worms pretty clearly actually but the other monsters the larger ones you're only they're kind of glimpsed and not seen in their entirety just parts of them like horrible flesh something breathing moving around in the dark or kind of checking him out and you get this just this sense that the dark is is filled with creatures is filled with something horrible going on and some absolutely malevolent presence in there and it's it does that very effectively um the, the character technique is really mad and disorientating and, and i think that'll be an issue for people too i mean understandably because it is it is hard to watch in places and it it can be a bit of a headache <laughs> it did give me a bit of a headache in places not not so much the shakiness which you know any found footage fan is going to be used to but the darkness and the torchlight, I mean, 
you have to kind of squint to see anything at times or, or you have to really have to concentrate as the as the light like I say it's a bit of a pinhole at times and sometimes it's bouncing really fast um, but I, again that worked fine for me uh, maybe because I'd had a few drinks and it wasn't too hard for me to go with the flow but it's 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 designed this way it's designed to disorientate and to unsettle and to get and to get to that disorientation the film just jettisons traditional shooting and goes for this sensory experience like incredibly claustrophobic way of shooting and it's it's kind of hypnotic as well i think that's a good word for it so if you get into the rhythm of the film um then it really sort of pulls you in and it makes for for something way more immersive uh, than the usual found footage experience um, which is again something i'm surprised more people haven't tried to do with the found footage apart from through kind of like cheap pov stuff this is one of the very few uh, I've seen which genuinely tries to be uh, immersive and this kind of sensory experience, which I think is fantastic. So um, that's another reason I'd love to see it on the big screen, right? Um, but if not, the, you know, I'm sure you've seen it before, but, you know, watching it at home, it's, you can't watch this on your laptop. And if you've watched it on your laptop, then you, and you enjoyed it enough to do so, I would definitely suggest watching on a TV, completely dark room, turn the sound up, um, Maybe sit not too far from the screen, you know. Because if you watch on a laptop, you, you're really going to lose a huge amount of detail and effect. As the, if the film is set up to, to freak you out, not by showing you everything, but at the same time presenting you with the whole the, the whole frame of the the, the screen. Like even when it, the parts of the screen which are black, as I've said, you're, you're supposed to be feeling the sense of like a malevolent presence always lurking out there and like, you know, figuring out what is actually going on outside there. And... Um, if you're just seeing on a very small screen, I, I think you'd really struggle to see anything, um, anything at all, which is going on. So you're kind of losing the point of the film entirely. But I think it's effective and bold, uh, the, the, this approach. And it really gave me the heebie-jeebies, uh, much more than any other film I've seen recently or, or more normal films I've seen recently. And it, it is kind of like a bad trip of a film. It's not It's not that far off the feeling of taking you know, the wrong shrooms or something having, you know, that, that horrible feeling of paranoia when you, you realize things aren't quite working the way they should. And um, you just kind of have to be ready for what it's going to throw at you. And I think it's totally fair that some people will be nonplussed by expecting something more normal or something that delivers scares and gores in the usual way. Um, it definitely helps if you're sort of okay with the power of suggestion and using your imagination to fill in the blanks. And if you're fine with zero <laughs> being even half explained during the film and i mean and as i've said like the first part of the film works works fine for me with the sort of home video footage but i i guess if i was going to pick one flaw maybe from the film is just the fact that uh when we get to the second half and when we, we start focusing on banfish himself wandering around with, with all the madness going on because we haven't you know, at that stage, the, the characters, uh, you, you know, we've not massively done like the traditional uh, character definitions and explorations, as I've said. But when we get to the second half, it goes even further into that. And uh, what happens to his friends, you, it's we kind of completely jettison any kind of character detail, any kind of anything. Uh, their appearances when they turn up uh, and, and, you know, horrible things happening to them are all really random. There, there's nothing linking it. There, there's no there's not even like an impression of what it means to Banfish or what it means to the characters themselves. They they just at that point become part of this landscape, part of this 
uh, nightmare landscape. So the, the second half or like the last half hour, 40 minutes of the film is really feels experimental in that respect because Banford, it's not even that Banford himself exists as a character um, in this space. He is just our our eyes. Kind of, and we do see him in front of the camera a, a bit as well. But it's... Yeah, it is completely, I mean, not a haunted house ride, like a theme park ride, but it is completely, it gives itself over to being the sensory experience. Character means nothing in the second, uh, you know, in the, the second part of the film, which again, kind of ties back to what we were saying before, like the first hour, I think is fine, but it essentially doesn't serve a massive amount, massive amount of purpose, given the fact that the second half of the film just you know the characters are completely irrelevant which which yeah which i think is fine but um a lot of what what we're seeing is very very freaky and it's very disorientating and disturbing and stuff but again it's not like you know worrying about there's no characters we worry about there's no characters we care about in that respect ourselves but um and i suppose banfitt is trying to project this into this experience into going along with him um in that and again that's where it comes it comes back to like zero being explained because there's no mechanism within the film to explain what's going on there's no it's not a film which is set up to have any kind of revelation or twist or um exposition which you know which is great but it it does it's not style over substance but it it is a sensory experience we're we're we get further and further away from sort of traditional film experience and i think it can be a bit it can be a bit difficult, uh, both both visually and just in terms of, um, you know, placing placing yourself into actually having a, a, a reaction that isn't just a physical, visceral reaction to it. But uh, but yeah, I, I still really like the Waters, and yeah, I'm and I'm a bit surprised still that more filmmakers haven't tried using fan footage for something more experimental like this. As um, it is a form which I think opens the door to being creative uh, and using low budgets to try different ways of shooting with phones, with mini cameras, different devices, trying not necessarily just to go for realism, but sort of new ways of presenting reality. Um, because this, you know, The Outwaters isn't uh, that kind of film. You know, it's, I mean, found footage, it's it's both tied to traditional film realism and dialogue, but without being tied to film, you know, film in that sense. You know, is found footage cinema? Um, is something like the Outwaters cinema in the traditional sense, but it, you know maybe it's not. Maybe it is just coming back to this idea of found footage being real footage, just being found, not directed or edited. Um, but that in itself, as I say, should mean there's a lot more room to to innovate and to present different ways of looking at reality. So, so maybe I mean, hopefully that's something more found footage directors will uh, dive into, and it's certainly something Coven me are quite getting quite obsessed with and thinking about for our for our, the production side of things but uh, i'm not sure i would make something quite as far out as as the outwater in that respect oh, but you know in a strange way I, I think for all its madness and weirdness the the outwaters you know and it is obtuse it's a very obtuse film but in a way it's still one of the more realistic found footage films you know, it's chaotic messy half seen inexplicable and but that's you know, probably what it'd be like if, if you or I were in this situation, you know, God help us. And, you know, we'd not be stopping to film things properly. We'd not be making sure we've got the whole area lit up properly because, you know, <laughs> the monsters might actually see you. We'd not be stopping to find the bodies of our friends and to film them closely, right? Uh, we'd not be having exposition dialogue chats to make sure everything is crystal. So, you, you know, it's 
maybe that's one of the the, the other things Banfitch is aiming aiming for with this is we have some kind of like elevated realism um, to it, whether it's the first half which is just home video and down to earth, but essentially believable because the second you know like the forty minutes at the end in its own way is also believable, uh, and I think if that that's what makes it very freaky if maybe not necessarily cinematic and you know i've mentioned august underground before and i think there is some similarity there uh just in terms of realism against a, a genre backdrop and context um and then, you know in august underground it was basically like finding the home video of a serial killer without any explanation uh, lots of pointless footage uh, and some really convincing lo-fi shooting um and both august and the outwaters are films which elicit this really properly visceral almost physical response to the viewer and which are really uncomfortable to watch um and maybe it is partly because of the sense of realism this rejecting like proper traditional you know usual narratives and cinematic storytelling um i mean i'm not saying outwaters is anywhere near as nasty as as august or its, its sequels but it, it's more similar to them than traditional found footage to an extent and, and on top of that you've got the more experimental visual work um though experimental kind of in the way it, it pursues realism maybe um and there's also something lovecraftian about it uh, partly in, in the creatures but through this general sense of so, something cosmic um of the characters or, or of banfitch at least being trapped and lost in some vast cosmic darkness maybe alternate dimensions time loops parallel reality where horrible monsters are, are lurking and watching and and that, as I said, sort of ties into the way the film is shot at times where it's completely dark, apart from this very small circle of light. But at the same time, if you're using your imagination, you 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 can feel that you're surrounded by these horrible, mysterious entities, which, which probably just re <laughs> really only wish the worst for you. <laughs> but yeah, it's really interesting what Banfitch does with all these different aspects of the film. And, and as a result, I, I'd say... Outwaters is one of the better found footagers uh, I've seen in the last couple of years. And, and I do think it'll be even better uh, if I can see it on the big screen. So maybe I, after a few drinks then again, of course, because, you know, um, that's a gentleman's right. I mean, it's maybe better to call it an experience rather than a film. And it's not really a comfortable experience. But I think that's just down to the viewer uh, and whether you want to be plunged into this darkness where you can't see much. You might get a bit of a headache. Uh, you're assaulted by horrible noises and glimpses of awfulness. Um, I mean, after experiencing an hour or so of home video first. so But yeah, it's a really bold film from Robbie Banfitch. Technically, his feature debut, maybe, if um, if White Light is a student grad film and is just under an hour or so. But I think even just from that, there's a real confidence uh, to his directing as well as artistry. And I'm not sure if he's a horror man in general, but but I'll be very interested to check out whatever he, whatever he does next, you know. But that's about it. That, that's that's all I have to say about the Outwaters for now. And yeah, thank you, thank you very much for listening. Hope hope you've enjoyed our 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 time together on talking about such a bizarre and uncomfortable film. Um, and yeah, I, I I will. It's one I will return to maybe after a break, especially if I can't see it on the big screen. But but yeah, thanks again for listening. Do check out the other episodes of the podcast, uh, including the the radio play. Uh, we did uh, Mojo in the Corridors of Blood, which you can hear my um, acting, <laughs> so to speak. But do check out the other episodes, follow us on the socials. And yeah, please please do join us again for, for more episodes of the Whiskey Bikini Suspense Show. <laughs>
Whiskey bikini. 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 Whiskey bikini.